0: How many of you have ever played the what-if game? And I mean, it's not a game. It's not a game. But you start to think about the worst-case scenario. How many of you ever do that, just the worst-case scenario? Your mind goes to the worst place, and you start playing what-if. I do the what-if game. Uh, in my own life. I, I, I worry about, you know, what is God going to ask me to do? What is God calling me to do? What if God asks me to do something weird? What if God asks me to do something that I don't want to do? What if God asks me to do something that's going to make me feel uncomfortable? What if God's going to ask me to do something that's going to drive me out of my comfort zones? You know, what if God is going to ask me to, to stop being a minister here in Griffith and ask me to move to Africa? to be a missionary. Well, that'd be uncomfortable. You know, what if God asked me to leave Griffith and go to uh, even worse Alaska and be a minister because you know I don't like the cold. Um, at least it's warm in Africa, right? But uh, you know, what if God asked me to do something that's going to get me out of my comfort zone? What if God is going to ask me to give something up that I cherish, that I like or that I love? And what if God's going to ask me to give up something that I that makes me comfortable? And I've got to give it up in order to serve Him better. What if God is going to ask me to give up something that I enjoy, like, that, that is keeping me from serving Him? What if God is going to ask me to do something that I don't want to do in order to serve Him better? What if God is going to ask me to give up some time to serve Him in a different way? What if God is going to ask me to give up some treasure, some luxuries, to donate more, to give more to his kingdom or to those in need? What if God is gonna ask me to use my talents in a way that I'm not prepared to use them? And I think we all play this game. We all play the what if game. You know, what if, what if God asked me, you may say, what if God asked me to do something that I don't wanna do? What if God asked me to do something weird? What if God asked me to do something scary? What if God asked me to do something frightening? What if God asked me to step out of a comfort zone and, and talk to somebody about Jesus at work? What if God is asking me to get out of my comfort zone and go visit somebody in the nursing home or visit somebody in the hospital? What if God is asking me to give up a few luxuries in order to give up more of my treasure for his kingdom? What if God is asking me to increase? We talked a couple of weeks ago about increasing our offerings. What if God is uh, calling you to be more generous? What if God is calling you to be more generous with your time and to to get involved in some way here at GFCC and serve Him in a way that you're not currently serving Him? And it may be a little uncomfortable. It may be a little difficult. It may be out of your comfort zone. You know, maybe He's calling you to to get up and and, and serve in the, the children's ministry and you're like, I don't even like kids very much. I don't even know why I had them. But the next thing you know, you're going to find yourself playing around, playing around on the floor with four-year-olds. It's because that's what God's asking you to do. And you know what I'm talking about. When God won't leave you alone, when God will not stop, when God's just laying something on your heart over and over again, when God is asking you to do something that you just don't know that you're ready to do. What if God is calling you to give up uh, some kind of a talent, a, a talent, that, you know, he's given you a talent and you know you can do it. You know that he's giving you this talent, but you're just not ready to use it. Or you're not comfortable using it for him. So I think we play this what-if game and we get afraid. We're, we're afraid and our minds go to the worst case scenario of what could happen. But I'm here to tell you, you've got nothing to be afraid of because your mind will go to the worst case scenario, but God's got your best case scenario in mind. Your mind may go to the worst case scenario, but God's got your best case scenario in mind. He is going to do something, and he wants to do something in your life. He wants to do something through your life to change the world. And it may be changing somebody's world, just one person or two people, or maybe changing the lives of hundreds of people. You may have you may think you've got your plans all laid. You've got your, your plans all figured out. You've got everything in mind. This is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do these things. I'm just going to keep on going on, doing my life the way that I'm doing it now. And, and you're thinking, that, you know, I've, I've got it figured out. And God may be saying something to you of, I'm going to interrupt your plans. That's what happened to a young virgin named Mary. This morning, we're going to begin a new series from Life Church in Oklahoma called Fear Not. And this sermon series is based on their sermon series. Don't do this very often, but we do it from time to time. And we're going to talk about this idea of fear not. You see, an angel appeared to three different people, or three different groups of people. And this angel showed up on three different occasions. And one of the first words out of the mouths of the angel was, Fear not, do not be afraid. And we're going to talk about that for the next three weeks. So this week, we're going to talk about how the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. Next week, we'll talk about how an angel appeared to Joseph. And then on December 17th, we'll talk about how an angel appeared to some shepherds. And one of the first things out of the angel's mouth each time was, Do not be afraid or or fear not. So. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to look at these three stories. And then Christmas weekend, when we have those four services. We're going to look at a different passage of Scripture that has nothing to do with Christmas, but has everything to do with Christmas. And we're going to talk about how perfect love drives out fear on Christmas weekend. So this whole month is dedicated to why we don't need to be afraid and and why we don't have to fear. And it starts today by looking at Luke chapter 1. Uh, verses 26 through 38. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. If you brought your Bible, great. Grab your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1. If you didn't bring one, that's all right. You can find one in the chair in front of you. It's on page 723 uh, of that Bible, or uh, we'll have the words up on the screen as well. I want to look at this. We're going to take this in several little chunks uh, this morning and talk about the, the Christmas story, and it's the story before the story. It's the story before uh, the actual birth of Jesus, and it's when an angel appears to a young virgin named Mary who was living in a little town called Nazareth. And Nazareth wasn't much to write home about. It wasn't a big town. It was a small village. It wasn't too far from a major trade route, so it wasn't like po-dunk out in the sticks, hillbilly land, but it was a, a small town, a small village. No one would have even noticed it. And no one probably would have even noticed Mary. So let's look at Luke chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 26 through 28 first. Luke 1, through 28. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, what's interesting about marriages in those days is that uh, we don't know how old Mary was, but she was probably a young teenager. Because when a girl hit puberty uh, in those days, she would be betrothed to be married to a man. And that betrothal will last one year. And so she could have been as young as 12. We've, we Archaeologists have discovered that Uh, This happened as early as age 12. She could have been maybe 14, 15, or 16. But she was betrothed to be married to Joseph, who was probably significantly older than her. And this was just the custom of the day. They would be engaged for a year. And once they became engaged, once the price was paid, the the monetary price was paid uh, for the bride, uh, they would go ahead and, and they would be legally bound, not physically bound. They would not consummate the marriage until a year later, but they would be legally bound to the point where uh, you would have to divorce, you'd have to get a a divorce uh, even if you were engaged. And that's what we're going to talk about next week when Joseph had in mind to divorce Mary when he finds out that she is pregnant. So this angel shows up and says, greetings, you who are highly favored. You who are highly favored. Now, one of the things that's interesting um, is that uh, you, when the angel tells her, you, "You have you who are highly favored," in the in the Latin, uh, the words are translated uh, "full of grace." And I think there's been a misunderstanding that uh, Mary was not full of grace, but rather she had received the full grace of God. Grace was bestowed upon her, but it was not something that she would be able to bestow on anyone else. Okay, so she was a recipient of God's grace, not as someone who would bestow God's grace on anyone else, okay? So uh, Gabriel shows up, says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. You have found favor with God. Let's continue. Uh, Verses 29 and 30. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Do not be afraid you have found favor with God when it says when Luke says that she was greatly troubled the Greek word the New Testament was written in Greek and the Greek word for greatly troubled literally means terrified so I don't know what these angels looked like okay I don't know what an angel looks like but I I got a feeling it's not like some little cherub-faced baby strumming a harp on a on a cloud somewhere and maybe not like Roma Downey or Della Reese from touched by an angel But these are ferocious-looking creatures. And he shows up, and she is terrified. Not just at his appearance, but she's also terrified at his greeting. What are you talking about? I have found favor with God. Remember, she's a 12-, 14-, 15-year-old girl. Ladies, think back to when you were a a young teenager, 12-, 14-, 15-, and an angel shows up and says, you are highly favored. You got the wrong lady, man. (laughs) What are you talking about? This giant creature that does spiritual warfare with the demons of hell shows up and says, you are highly favored. I don't think so. I think the one you're looking for is down the street. Let's keep going. Verses 31 through 33. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So not only does this terrifying creature show up and greet her and say she is highly favored, now he's going to drop the bomb on her. He's going to drop some information on her that you are with child. Say what? You are with child. And this child is no ordinary child. This child is the Messiah. You are to give him the name Jesus. Jesus is the Greek uh, form of the Hebrew name Joshua. And the Hebrew name Joshua literally means Yahweh saves. So his name, Jesus or Joshua, Yeshua, literally means that God saves. That's who Jesus is. The Savior, the Messiah. And though she was a virgin, she was going to be with child. And that's what she asks next. She asks this question in verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? So she had not had relations with any man, not even her engaged-to-be husband. And yet she's going to be with child. And I love how she poses the question to the angel. How will this be? There's no doubt in Mary. She's a believer. She trusts what the angel says. She knows what the angel says is true. How will this be? It's not, you're crazy. Or, I doubt it. No, there's no way. It's impossible. How will this be? There's faith in Mary. In God's plan. Verses 35 through 37. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Oh, I love those words. Luke one thirty seven. Nothing is impossible with God. Even a virgin can give birth. Even a virgin can, be, can conceive For nothing is impossible with God. Church, what is impossible with God? Nothing is impossible with God. The Holy Spirit would come upon her, would conceive in her the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, who would grow up to uh, one day die on a cross to, to, to die for our sins and give up his own life so that we could find forgiveness with God. Verse 38. I love Mary's humble response. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant, she says. It is this humble attitude that she would impart to her son Jesus, this humility that she would impart to Jesus, that the night before he was crucified, he would say, Father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken from me, yet not as I will but as you will. Let your will be done. That humble, servant-like attitude started with Mary, and she imparted it to her son, who went to the cross for us, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. When it comes to this question, what if God is going to ask me to do something that I don't want to do? What if God is asking me to do something that is going to get me out of my comfort zones? You know, wh- why would God ask me to do this? Why, w- why is God asking me to, to do these things? Why is God doing this? There are two reasons that we are afraid of what God may be asking us to do. Two reasons. The first one is this. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. You see, Mary was planning her life. I'm going to marry Joseph. Life's going to be great. We're going to have 3.4 children. Life's going to be wonderful. She's practicing writing her name, signing her name in the checkbook. Yeah. She's making all these plans, picking out baby names on Pinterest, whatever. Whatever. And God, what does God do? God shows up and interrupts her plans. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. This was not part of Mary's plan. And maybe God is interrupting your plans. And maybe you're looking at at the interruptions that God has for you as inconvenient. But here's the thing about God's interruptions. What we consider to be interruptions, God calls invitations what we consider to be interruptions, God calls invitations. And the question I have for you today is what is God inviting you to do? Like I said, maybe he's inviting you to get involved in the life of GFCC a little bit more. Maybe he's inviting you to serve him in some way. Children's ministry, youth ministry, first impressions ministry. We've got a sign-up sheet in the lobby for people who want to help out with first impressions that's greeting people at the door and being a worship host and and ushering people to their seats uh it's it's handing out uh bulletins and and greeting people at the main doors and and it's all those things of making people feel welcome standing in the parking lot waving to people and when they come in wearing an orange vest of course um but it's all those things and so maybe god is tugging at your heart saying you need to get more involved in your church and First Impressions ministry, they're meeting next week after each service with James Cotts, who's heading that up. And I want you to think about maybe getting involved in that ministry and how you can be involved, or talk to Pastor Joel about getting involved in children's ministry, and, play, and playing it on the floor with those four-year-olds and teaching them to love Jesus, or teaching the, the, the fourth- through sixth-graders, like my son how to love Jesus. Or getting involved in our youth ministry as a youth sponsor. And teaching teenagers how to love Jesus. Or maybe to facilitate a, a, a connection group uh, when, we, uh, when we have our second round of those. we got got facilitators lined up now, but more people are going to get involved. We're going to need more facilitators. And maybe God is laying it on your heart to say, you need to become a facilitator of a connection group. What is it that God is tugging at your heart asking you to do? And he just won't leave you alone about it. Maybe it's, it's inviting that person to church. Maybe you were that person, though. Maybe you were the one who said, you know what? I don't have time for this. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time uh, to invest in that. I, I'm just too busy right now. And church is the last thing on my mind. And somebody wouldn't leave you alone. God wouldn't leave you alone. Your friend wouldn't leave you alone. Your family wouldn't leave you alone. Somebody in your life wouldn't leave you alone and said, you got to come check out my church. And finally you said, ah, fine, I'll go. I'll go. And then you're here. And you've been here you've been here for six months you've been here for a year you've been here for 20 years and it all started because God interrupted your plans God interrupted your plans and now here you are and you love it why because it's awesome and now you want to invite your friends and they're worried that you're going to invite them they're seeing a change in you they know you're going to church. And your friends are going, man, I don't know, dude, what's going on with you? And it's like, you gotta come check out my don't say it. Church. Oh. No, it's great. It's great. You gotta come check it out. And maybe God is, is tugging at your heart saying, You gotta invite that person. You gotta invite that family member. You gotta invite that coworker. You need to interrupt their life so that I can give them an invitation to the life that never ends. Because that's what we have in Jesus, is a life that never ends. So what is it that God is asking you to do? What kind of invitation does he want you to extend? Or what invitation is he extending to you to get more involved or to invite someone or to go and visit that person in the hospital, go and visit that person in the nursing home? Go, whatever that, whatever that interruption is, is an invitation to do something great for God. So that's the first reason we're kind of afraid of what God is asking us to do, is that God's interruptions are often inconvenient. We just don't have time for it. We just don't have the energy for it. But remember, God's invita- God's interruptions are often invitations. The second reason, the second reason that we don't, uh, that we fear what God is asking us to do is that God's purpose is different than your plans. God's purpose is often different than your plans. And that's true. Because see, when I was 16 years old, I was convinced that I was going to marry my girlfriend. I didn't get married till age 25. And it wasn't to her. <laughs> which is okay. Which is great. When I was 18, I was convinced that I was going to go to Hollywood and become an actor, a famous actor. I was going to be the next Tom Cruise. And I looked more like Tom and Jerry. But anyway... When I was 23, I became a minister, I became a pastor at age 23 instead of a famous actor. When I was 25, I was convinced I wasn't going to have any kids. I didn't want children. At 33, I became a dad and changed my life in the greatest way possible. Couldn't imagine it any other way. When I was 35 all right, let's see no, when I was 28, and I moved to Minnesota, I thought, you know, I think we're going to stay here a while. Five years later, I'm living in Griffith, Indiana. And now that I'm here, I'm thinking I'd love to retire here. But it's not my plan. As long as I want, I want to stay here as long as God will let me stay here. And I've told God, I, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go, as long as it's not any colder than it is here in the wintertime. God's interruptions are often invitations. What's the invitation? So maybe you've got your life planned out. Maybe you've got your plans of how it's going to go. And you've got your plans made. And I'm going to be married by this age. And then that age comes and you're still not married. Well, maybe God has a purpose for your singleness. You're like, I don't want a purpose for my singleness. God's got a purpose behind it. Or maybe you're thinking, we're going to have... 1.7 kids, by the time we're this age, by the time we've been married this many years, and the kids just haven't come yet, and you're thinking, God, what is wrong with your plan? God's purpose is greater than our plans. He's got a purpose behind it. I can't tell you what it is, and I can't tell you why it is. I'm not God, but I know that my God has a purpose behind His plans. Or, Or maybe you've got retirement all figured out. I'm going to retire at 62. I'm going to to invest this much money. I'm going to have these things. I'm going to do this and do that. And God comes along and says, guess what? My ways are higher than your ways. My plans are greater than your plans. My purpose is greater than your plans. And so your retirement may get all messed up in some way, shape, or form. But God's purpose and God's ways are higher than your ways. And He knows what He's doing, we have to trust Him. Teenagers, my teenagers in the room, I'm not leaving you out today. You may be thinking, I've got my plans. I'm going to graduate from high school and I'm going to go to college. Or I'm going to graduate from high school and I'm going to get a job. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to make these plans. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go there. I'm going to get this degree. I'm going to get this job. I'm going to do all these things. And i got news for you. God may be calling you to do something. He is calling you to graduate from high school, by the way. Just, just saying. <laughs> you get home. Pastor Charles said, I don't have to graduate from high school. That's not God's plan for me. No, God's plan for you is to graduate from high school. So I'm just saying. You know, <laughs> no nasty emails this week, okay? Um, so, uh, But teenagers, God's plan, you may be saying, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to become uh, an engineer or I'm going to become a nurse or I'm going to become a teacher. And God is saying, nope, you're going to become a missionary. You're going to become a preacher. Or you're going to become something that you haven't even thought about yet. Because God's ways are higher than your ways. God's purposes are greater than your plans. And what I'm saying is we've got to release them. We've got to let him go. We've got to say, God, I'm going to trust you and your purposes and your plans. So, the question that we've got to ask ourselves is this What is God calling you to do or believe? Maybe you're not a believer yet. Maybe you, you're, you're, just, you're a skeptic. You're a doubter. You're an atheist. You're an agnostic. Fill in the blank. Maybe that's where you're at. What is God calling you to believe? to believe in a God who can do the impossible? Do you believe in a God for whom nothing is impossible? Do you believe in a God who sent his son Jesus to die for your sins and my sins? So if we'll we'll put our faith and trust in Jesus by believing in him, uh, turning away from sin and confessing our faith and getting baptized, maybe God is calling you to do that. Maybe God is calling you to be baptized. You can do that today. We'll talk about that in a second. Or maybe God is calling you to take a step of faith. Maybe God is calling you to step out of your comfort zone and stop being afraid. Stop being afraid. Because the God who is calling you to do those things will empower you to do them. He will equip you to do them. He will uh, enable you to do them. Because nothing is impossible with God.